From late June to early August, we took a 14,000-mile cross-country road trip to get away from the world. It brought us to 20 national parks, 33 states, 46 cities, and 43 national monuments, forests, memorials, grasslands, and recreation areas. So in each episode, we'll outline one of our stops, talk about the history of the place, our impressions, and a piece of dark history tea associated with it. It's going to be dramatic, scandalous, dare I say captivatingly funny, and hopefully it inspires your next trip in the United States. This is Road Boys with Jeremy and Jacob. Welcome to another episode of Road Boys. Episode 6. Road boys, we're boys on the road. Return of the Jeremy and Jacob. It is our return. We're back on the airwaves. Mm-hmm. They, you thought that we could get rid of us. They could get rid of us, but really, in the end, nope. We've been renewed. We've been renewed. It turns out people love us. Uh, I just want to start by thanking everybody for streaming all of our episodes, wherever they get their podcasts, and most recently, Jeremy, on iHeartRadio. Huge, huge deal. Actually, a huge deal. I had no clue when you you brought it up to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a huge deal. We're on iHeartRadio, and honestly, the audience reception has grown bigger than I ever expected it to be. Well... I predicted last week that we would blow up and act like we don't know nobody. So I think we got to follow through. We're just too big I think now. it's time to act like we don't know anybody else. I only know you, Jacob. I don't live with anybody. You're I the only person you. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's what I definitely wanted to start with because we are very thankful that everyone's been listening. So make sure you like review, subscribe, download, everything you can do to be listening to more Road Boys. Yes, sir. And, you know, gotta smash that subscribe button, obliterate the reviews. Obliterate, you know, ram, really ram into those reviews. Just, just, just keep it destroyed. Just level it. I mean, smash the shit out of it. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Um, yes. Jeremy. Yes. What's next? I don't know. Uh, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, you're, I could talk about my week or I could talk about something I've been thinking about recently with a lot of our fans. Um, oh yeah. Yes. So we have a, a, a bigger fan base now and, um, I don't know. I've been sort of thinking that if we're growing, uh, like we're growing, we got to start, um, thinking about what we should be calling our fans, you know? They have oh, a fandom name. A fandom name like Lady Gaga has the Monsters and, uh-huh. uh, and uh, well, and, you know, other <laughs> podcasters have different <laughs> names, can- and they're not campy at all, and it's, and it's a good time. I can so- see your brain just, like, turning the wheels there, <laughs> trying to think of another celebrity who has a fandom name. I don't know, Madonna, she has something, I think. I, I'm not too certain, but I know that's a thing, because Lady Gaga made it pretty famous. Anyway, 
I've been sort of thinking along those lines for us and what that could entail. So we are the road boys. It's just the two of us. But I don't know. I was thinking something, you know, if we're the road boys, our fans could be called like the the road the road hoods or something like that because they eat our content up they can't get enough of us the road hoods wait a minute mm-hmm. is this is this a is this a slight on my new jersey accent no it's no it's no slight on your new jersey accent jacob i think uh, i sort of where i'm coming from is uh frank reynolds from it's always sunny in his hood he he he, he when he says whore he says h-o-o-r <laughs> And I think that's how we should spell it if we're going to do go with that. That is how I say it. But I also think that's a little derogatory. Well, it doesn't need to be. I mean, it could be gender ambiguous now. Yes, although you incorrectly on our last episode referred to it as a, a woman uh, being a hoa. I do not recall. I do not <laughs> you, recall. <laughs> you did. Uh, but the dictionary definition, if you look it up, does say a person who uh, sleeps around. Yeah, well, if I, can, if, I, if I did say that, I'm very sorry. I apologize, and I'll learn from my mistake. And just so for the sake of keeping that name in, I could say we'll be the road hoes, and, it's, and it will be gender ambiguous, as it should be. Yeah, there you go. If you don't think that's a good idea, we could do, like, the road boys. Like, they could, it could just be road boys. Yeah, I was going to say, how about road boys? Although... To me, then, we still got the gender thing. <laughs> the gender thing is not solved there. Well, it's, is it different if it's, if it's uh, spelled out B-O-I-S, not B-O-Y-S? No, I, I don't think it is different. Um, okay. Well, how about then... Yeah, go ahead. Keeping it gender ambiguous. This is just mm-hmm. right off the top of my head. Sure. Road persons. Road persons. Oh, man. Well, I think there we have it. I, <laughs> I really like just the uh, just the slight nod to community, you know, with the what was the Greendale? What's what's the school in the community? Oh, the, the, the Greendale uh, human beings, human beings. That's it. So <laughs> I think out of out of what we've talked about, I think we're going to go with road, road persons. It'll stick. Um, oh, oh no, <laughs> I hope it doesn't stick, but thanks to all those road persons out there for listening. Yeah, it should stick. I think, I think it's, it, it has some staying power. Um, so great. That's been decided on. Uh, I was also going to ask, um, just, uh, what's been up? What, how you been? What's your week been like? Oh, it's been interesting. Um, you know, I started a new job a couple weeks ago and, yes, I do. uh, let me just say, the one thing it has done is completely adjust my sleep schedule. Hmm. Is that a good or bad thing? Um, so, you know, before, and you were right there with me, going to bed at, like, 2 a.m. and waking up at, like, 10, 30, 11. It's healthy. Yeah, it's very healthy, but it has now changed to waking up in the 5 o'clock hour and you've, of course, adjusted in terms of when you go to sleep, so it's, you're getting the same amount of sleep, though? Yeah, I go to bed around 10-something, you know, somewhere in the 10s, so it's, mm-hmm. it's an ambiguous 5 to, t- to 10 uh, range there. <laughs> A hard 5. A hard five. A hard five. Um, But one thing that is done is, I don't know if it's my new sleep schedule or what's, like, my body's been doing, is it's been giving me nightmares. Oh. That is not good. 
Yeah, so we haven't talked about this yet on the podcast, but I'm someone who does not remember dreams ever. Yes, that's right. That's not a thing that happens to me. And apparently, according to Jeremy, that's really weird. It is really weird. You should have full control over what you can remember at all times. Yeah, but I, I literally <laughs> like can never remember dreams. And in fact, the only ones I can remember are nightmares. That's not good. I know. It's not the ones you should be remembering. Although, uh, they have, they, again, they have staying power. They can stay with you. Yeah, but this week, I've been having this one nightmare where, and you're in it. Uh, you're a big part of it, actually. What did I do? What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it involves the two of us being by the Hudson River. Um, and someone goes into the river. I don't think it's one of us, but someone does. And then we somehow have to extract something from somebody's home. So we transport from the Hudson River to somebody's home. Oh, man. Yeah. Are we breaking, we're breaking and entering, is what you're yes, saying. Yes, we're breaking and entering, exactly. Oh, um, and I know, it's scary. And we're in this house, mm. and it's very tense. And then I know I go outside to go pull the car around uh, to, like, pick us up. And then as I pull the car around, I hear sirens approaching, and I wake up. Well, here's how you know it's not real. It's not it's 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 a dream because I would not be the one running inside the damn house to get shit. I would be the one that would tell you to go inside and just stay in the car and I'd stay <laughs> in the car because I'd be too scared to break and enter into a house. So you should have known that straight out. Yeah. I know, I know, but it feels so real and then of course. what what happens is that feeling of tenseness stays with me. Like I literally yeah. woke up feeling tense as fuck. And I walk around doing my morning routine, whatever, whatever. It, all, it took until I stepped inside my building at work until mm. that feeling went away. Well, that's called like dream vibe. I'll call it, I'll, I'll, make it, I'll make it a phrase. It's dream vibe. Oh, dream vibe. Of course. It, it's when the vibe of the dream sticks with you after you wake up. I think a lot of people, I've, I've, I've experienced that before. So it's, but yeah, it's not the most pleasant thing. It's really unpleasant. Like, I don't want to wake up with, like, adrenaline pumping like that. What the hell is that shit? Mm. Sometimes people would say you should use it to your advantage. How can I use that to my advantage? All I do is brush my teeth, make my lunch, and eat breakfast. Well, then you get to work, and then you're like, let's, let's, let's do it. Yeah, but by the time I get to work, I lose it. Well, keep it. Feel it. <laughs> keep it. Keep the dream. You know, as they say, Jacob, keep the dream alive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I had, uh, you know, you're talking about that, and it's actually kind of weird because I, I only dream I remember from the week uh, is something that does actually involve uh, a body of water and probably you, to be honest. Uh, yes, you want to you want to hear like this is kind of weird because I don't know how people feel about dreams. If any of our listeners believe that like people's dreams can connect to other people's dreams, but oh, like, I believe it. You believe it. So let me just tell you, I was standing. So in this dream, from what I can recall, because I had it a while ago during this week, though, uh, probably same day. Honestly, I was standing by a river and I was like with you, and I was on a hill, but. It made no sense because like there is it's not an ocean but all of a sudden i saw like a huge tsunami wave just coming like come and rush up towards us and i was like there's no way like we're looking at something that's landlocked there's no way there can be a, a tsunami and then right when it was about to hit i woke up 
Oh my God. You know, I didn't even mention this earlier because I didn't think it was an important detail, but in my dream, the Hudson River, what I remember about it is that it was like churning. Like it was very, a very intense, like powerful body of water. So did we co-dream? We co-dreamed. Just like we co-host. <laughs> we That's co-dreamed. a thing, right? We could co-dream. Uh, yes. Are we and so connected you... that that happened? Jacob, we should buy the same dream catcher and hang it up next to our beds. <laughs> and then every episode we can reconvene and talk about the, the dreams that we had. You know what's funny is I do have a dream catcher near my bed. Yeah, I think those are ripoffs. I can never look in and see what I dreamed. Well... let me just say that i find this very extraordinary i think there's something extremely paranormal going on here otherworldly or it could just be god have you thought about that it could just be god all right um (laughs) so i'm gonna put that aside Mm -hmm. and i just want to say because this is Premiering on October 24th, 5th? 24th. Yeah, that... We don't know. 20... Bro, it's, it's the 25th. 20, it's, the, it's the 22nd. I'm being dead serious. I checked right now. It's October 22nd. We've lost track of days. <laughs> All right, so it's premiering on the 25th. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's correct. a very important time to remind our listeners to go vote. For the love of God, please get out the vote. This is the this is the the first get out the vote special for the show. <laughs> Road boys, get out the vote. Um, and I don't think any of us, it, when all said and done, will regret uh, have uh, having voted in this election. Yes, I've already voted. I'm very excited about voting. I am excited about voting too, but I've already voted. And here's a piece of advice to not take. Uh, you know, well, first vote early. That's valid. Uh, and then don't do the second part of the phrase vote often. Don't vote often. Just vote once. Vote early, vote often. It sounds cool, but you can't do the second part. All right. So here's the message. Vote early, vote often. Vote often. Um, but don't. (laughs) (laughs) And And you know what? Oh, I was just going to say, if anyone is actually uh, interested at all in voting, if, 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 if uh, I can, we convinced you to vote, go to IWillVote.com. It will tell you everything you need to know real easy about how to vote in your state. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, where can people find their voting information? Well, they got to, you know, well, they could go to that website or they could call one of their friends, probably more reliable information. So what I'll say is you could go to that website or just, you know, can't, you know, do a telephone, do a game of telephone, call your friends. That's more reliable than that website. Absolutely. So there you Mm -hmm. have it. That's our plug for voting. Um, But I do want to steer away now because today, Jeremy, I know you've done the research and I hear it is a huge show. Oh, shit. I was supposed to do the research this week. Oh, no. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Well, anyway, yes. <laughs> well, we just stopped the recording. <laughs> we would stop the recording right there <laughs> and then just apply it to another episode. <laughs> but there you go. But yes, I have done the research. We can continue on with the episode. Um, and it's a big one. Uh, beautiful place we visited this week. Uh, and I'll just get right into it because why not? Yeah, well, so let's just preface it with last week we came from Rocky Mountain National Park and Estes Park, 
and we drove south in Colorado, way down to Jeremy. The Great Sand Dunes, Southern Colorado National Park. Ah. Aha. Special. Now, now I think um, this is a park that probably doesn't get too much recognition for what it is. I think we went to Rocky Mountain National Park, and everyone knows about Rocky Mountain National Park, but who really knows about the Great Sand Dunes? I mean... I know about the Great Sand Dunes. Well, I know about it now, but, you know, I feel like we had to we had to research it. We had to do our work to like and make a point about driving there. Um, and it's it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so preface it with that as well. So if you're going to the Great Sand Dunes, just know that there's like a town maybe 30 minutes out that we stayed in. But that's about it. You're not by Denver. You're not by Estes Park. It's just out there. It's vibing. It does seem like a very uh, removed place. Like it definitely was one of our more far out parks. Although Certainly. we do go to some even more far out ones future uh, on this podcast from our yes, trip. But, certainly. But this one definitely was remote. It was very remote. And if you remember, of course, we were swerving through mountains to get there. We, we were going through valleys. Uh, and it was another absolutely beautiful drive to get down to the Great Sand Dunes. Uh, heavily suggest just going out there for that drive. Oh, yeah. The drive. Mm-hmm. My God. Maybe we'll get into it a little bit in a, in a, in a little bit further on. Um, but I was just interested about the area because, you know, I'm going to give you the history of the Great Sand Dunes. Don't you worry. Like, but that was sort of like the only thing out there. So I was thinking with how uh, how how few people inhabited it. Uh, and there's just this like natural wonder just out in the middle of nowhere. So like, what's the deal with its history and the surrounding area? What is the deal? How to get there? Why is it there? What are well, people doing? Tell me. So, uh, I'll just first I'll first give you just an explanation as to why the Great Sand Dunes even exists, and this is coming from a scientific geological uh, point of view. So just get ready. I'll, I'll I'll speak real slow. Oh, that's right. I forgot you earned your degree in geology. Well, I am a geologist, and I'm just going to try and put this in layman terms. If you don't understand what I first say, I'll just probably, I'll, I'll dumb it down because um, I am a, I am a geologist, and I have my doctorate, so. Go for it. All right, so here's what I got from the website, the National Parks website. The Great Sand Dunes have been formed over thousands of years as sand deposited by mountain streams and playa lakes, I don't know what the hell that is, on the San Luis Valley floor is carried in the form of small dunes by predominant southwest winds uh, toward a low curve in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. You get that? Girl, what the hell did you just say to me? Uh, well, if, okay, well, here, he, you know, I'm a geologist, so let me just back up for a sec. So the, the sand, so the sand is brought over by the mountain streams and then it just accumulates and it takes thousands of years. That's it. All right. Well, why didn't you just say that to begin with? <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to flex on people. Uh, oh, of by, course. By reading something taken directly from a National Parks website. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I won't bore you with anything else with the geological stuff. You know, it's very basic, but... Uh, yeah, give me, in, give me the juicy stuff. Uh, us in the geology profession know that it's not it's not smart to keep going on about this so i'll just leave it at that so here is what i have in regard to human life in the area human life 
Well, we love humans. We love humans. We prefer them to to mountains. Actually, I don't know about that. But I prefer mountains. I prefer mountains. Uh, but here's what we have for human lives. Uh, you can go all the way back 11,000 years. And this is something I just wanted to put in. If we're going based off of the Jewish Torah, my Jewish Torah, the Earth's only 5,780 years old. So something is off there. And I'm just not going to be the one to say either the National Park Service is wrong or the Torah is wrong. So not going to get into it. Oh, man, we're getting really controversial early. First of all, all y'all homophobic ass religions. Second of all, I can't believe you just brought the Torah into this discussion about the great sand dunes. Well, the National Park Service is saying that we have that we have to go back 11,000 years. And I'm sorry if there's a middle ground in between religion and science. I just I can't I won't choose. I'm not I'm going to refuse to find that middle ground. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, then proceed. (laughs) <laughs> so, according to the website, 11,000 years old. Now, if uh, you didn't guess already, Jacob, the people inhabiting the land all those years ago were, in fact, nomadic hunters and gatherers, and in other words, Native Americans. What? Are you telling me Native Americans originally inhabited the land? Something like that. It's, it's, a, new, it's a new concept. <laughs> yeah, we haven't heard that one on the show before. Not once. So, what were they doing out there? Well, apparently, the area was ripe with, like, woolly mammoths and prehistoric bison back then. So, it was open season on meat and fur, and if you happen to be a character in the Ice Age franchise, you best look out, because you don't want to be visiting there. You could die. Girl, I was just going to say, I was thinking about some Ice Age realness. I was thinking about that woolly mammoth. I was mm-hmm. thinking about Sid the Sloth. I was seriously <laughs> considering all those characters. That's my Sid the Sloth. Thank That's you. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, it wasn't bad, right? Yeah, you have talent. You have some talent. I have a lot of talent. I have a lot of talent. I'll tell you, you have some talent. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, continue about some Ice Age bullshit. Yeah, so actually, my sources indicated to me that the area I'm currently talking about was the Stone... Sorry, the era that I'm currently talking about was the Stone Age, so... These nomadic hunters hunted with, I guess you can guess, large stones, spears, or darts, which are known as Clovis and Falsum points. So, oh, so we in Flintstones territory here. We are in Flintstones territory here. Uh, it's everything that the Flintstones was, except without the cartoon and everything that made the show what it was. <laughs> so it was the Flintstones without the Flintstones. Right, with probably... Um, more savagery and violence and just a tougher way of life altogether. Okay, so the Flintstones meets Game of Thrones realness. Yes, the Flintstones actually meets uh, Survivor or Last Man Standing. Or oh, I like that. Naked and Afraid. Let's go with <laughs> Naked and Afraid. <laughs> oh, I love being naked and afraid. Mm, me too. Sounds like a typical Thursday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 so... Moving on from that, let's go thousands and thousands of years away. Um, things start to heat up in 1694 with the arrival of Don Diego de Vargas to the <gasps> San Luis region. We have a Spaniard. Don Diego de Vargas. That's pretty good. That's another, that's another good impression. You're on a roll. Thank you. Well, you know, I was doing my, my, my Latina accent is very much based on <laughs> Antonio Banderas in Puss in Boots. I could tell. Got that Puss in Boots vibe from it 
Wait, what's his name? Bat. What's his name again? And um, uh, Don Diego de Vargas. I want to do it one more time. Ready? <clears throat> Don Diego de Vargas. You just gave me some goosebumps, fam. Oh, thank you. I know it's sexy. <laughs> well, moving on from that. <laughs> Realness. Realness. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, although, so here, go, we're moving on from Don. Although <laughs> De Vargas and his men didn't settle in the region, their visit to the area is very well documented. Um, so they did some hunting. They're like, this is really weird. Like, what are these sand dunes doing here? And then they kind of just dipped back to Santa Fe, which is, uh, uh, I'll give you a hint, we might, uh, we might be talking about Santa Fe a little bit later on in the show. Santa Fe! That's right, and I dare, <laughs> what's this, what's that musical called, Jacob? Uh, I'm not gonna say what musical it is, just so that we can't get sued. I dare their shitbag lawyer team to come at us. Real hard and fast. How dare you if you even think about it. <laughs> but I won't say the name. <laughs> I intentionally did that line because you can't just associate the name of a city with with a song like that. It's like the Ohio State University trying to trademark the word the. the. You can't do it. You just can't. <laughs> so I dare them to try. Anyway, if you've heard, if we're just getting back to you and all of this has been cut out, We've just, you know, we've we had a little bit of a riff talking about maybe a song or something. I'm not going to get it's, into it. It's staying in. I'm not it, taking it out. Fine. It's staying in. So, <laughs> okay. Let's let's fast forward 100 years, though, from, from their dip back to Santa Fe. So, mm-hmm. in the insignificant year of 1776, I don't know what happened that year. Nothing. Juan, but nothing happened. Uh, Juan Batista de Anza, uh, who was an expeditionary... Uh, leader and military officer of the Spanish Empire was documented of having passed through the area on the way south again to Santa Fe. So um, what I'm getting at here is that the native tribes living in the area were kind of just left to vibe for a while longer than a lot of the places we visited thus far. All right. They were just vibing. They were just vibing. Um, now, it would it would eventually change. Let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Uh, I assumed it would, it would. Things would get really shitty for them, uh, unfortunately, as just like every place else that we visited. Um, unfortunately, not too much of a survive, much of a surprise. Um, but yes, yeah, so all that does change in the 1800s uh, as San Luis Valley becomes a much more white person frequented area during the time of westward expansion. So there you go. Straight white man entering the chat. That's true. And here I can give you a name, a specific straight white man that enters the chat. His name is Captain John Gunnison. Um, and oh, wait a minute. That name yeah. is familiar. That is it is familiar. Some there's a there's a couple of streets named after him. There's some outdoor space named after him. A lot of Colorado is named after him. Maybe a uh, national park named after him. Yes, um, there there is that, and I don't think we knew too much about it. Unfortunately, when we passed, when we just drove right by it. Great, amazing. But we'll get back to it. It's in a future episode, but. Um, <laughs> season two, baby. Season twenty, uh, when we expel all of our options. Actually, oh I, god, <laughs> I'd say that's higher up on the ones we want to visit. Yeah, I wonder what we'd be visiting at season twenty. 
by the way, we're talking about we're talking about Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Black Park. Canyon of the Gunnison. And the Gunnison is a river. So there you go. So there's a gun. So there's so there's, so presumably this guy had a river named after him, and that connects back to our dreams. So it all connects. It all connects exactly. Um, so John, Captain John Gunnison, he was trying to westward expanse himself during the time of westward expansion, mm-hmm. and uh, when he was coming upon the sand dunes, he had a, a pretty true statement to say. He <laughs> said. The sand was so heavy that we were six hours and a half in making 10 miles. I felt that. <laughs> Girl, when I say those sand dunes are the hardest ass thing to walk on, I mean it. We definitely do mean it. They were so hard to walk on. But we'll get back to that um, when we're talking about our time there in the present day. So by the 1850s, you have more white people moving into the region. Straight white pe- people. Straight white people. And, of course, they're breaking treaties left and right with Native American tribes in the area. They're just not given uh, no shits given about about uh, about what they're doing out there. Um, and then you also have an influx of settlers moving in searching for gold, which, unlike the Denver and Colorado Springs area, was extremely uh, scarce. There was, like, barely any gold there. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Imagine going to Bumblefuck, Colorado and not even finding gold. And I can imagine, like, the prospect for some people going out there. We're like, we're going to find gold. We're going to get rich. And then this town that we went to, Alamosa, uh, is still out there and populated with people. And I just feel like that was their ancestors' uh, <laughs> choice. They just stayed after they realized <laughs> they couldn't find any gold. <laughs> Bruh, Alamosa was such, like, a rundown place. Yes, and believe it or not, I found a lot of history for it, but I'll get to it in a second because I have a couple cool other things about um, about this area, just in general. Okay. Um, yeah, so in the late 1870s, the famous U.S. Ar- Army Regiment known as the African-American Buffalo Soldiers. Ooh, <gasps> sound familiar? It does. Yes, patrolled the Great Sand Dunes region from 1876 to 1879, and they served out of the nearby Fort, Fort Garland. Um, so... You know, I didn't know before researching that that was where Bob Marley got that idea for the song, but uh, but there we go. If and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I could I could sing it for you. How about that? Oh, you can't do that because I think we'll be sued immediately. Well, we're pushing boundaries. So what if I did like the first the first note? Oh, go for it. But. that's it (laughs) wow a show-stopping performance of bob marley's buffalo soldiers but now you're thinking about it and you don't have to have me no one has to have me sing the rest because now they're thinking about it everyone knows what we're talking about everyone does know what we're talking about so just moving on with them, uh, the Buffalo Soldiers, a little cool little tidbit about these guys uh, when they were in the area. They at one point were documented of actually evicting white settlers who encroached on Ute tribal land. So they literally evicted white people. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> if you can believe that, they literally, during this time, s- fought for the rights and the treaties of Native American populations and kicked white people off land that they had settled and they were like they got it done (laughs) that's the best part of this story so far yeah so 
um, I, I, like major props to those guys. I mean, I don't think you hear too much about that in regard to the U.S. The U.S. Army's a uh, history with handling the native populations. So, like major props, I gotta say. So, moving on through the years, though. There was, of course, a push to make the Great Sand Dunes protected lands, um, and members of the ladies' philanthropic educational organization lobbied politicians in efforts to make the Great Sand Dunes a national monument. And in 1932, they succeeded, uh, and Herbert Hoover signed the presidential proclamation, so there we go. Great president. Oh, Herbert Hoover of uh, Hoover Vacuum. Herbert Hoover Vacuum Cleaner, the president. That's Mm -hmm. the one, uh, but another terrible president anyway. Well, is he terrible if he signed the presidential proclamation to make it, uh, you know, make it so? For the I don't know. Dunes? Was well, uh, Martin Van Buren terrible for causing the Civil War? Who's to say? No one's <laughs> to say. You can't have any. No one can have Oh, my God. Opinions. Am I wrong? I think it was Buchanan, wasn't it? It was James Buchanan. Exactly. Who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Just, you know, after we've exposed our, ourselves in regard to our presidential histories, I mean, you, you corrected, so I, I wasn't any the wiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, just decades later, this is the last part, in the 1990s, support increased to upgrade the Great Sand Dunes from its national monument status to that of a national park. And in 2004, those efforts succeeded, and George W. Bush signed <laughs> the proclamation, made it so, w- Great Sand Dunes. W- Great Sand Dunes National Park. So w- <laughs> I just can't stop thinking about W now. W. Jeb. How about Jeb? <laughs> I don't like thinking about Jeb. But the Great Sand Dunes is something I do love thinking about because yes. that place was awesome. It was fantastic. It was It was just other. Again, I've been going to use this word a lot. It was otherworldly. It felt like we were on a different planet. And as we were walking up, like it is definitely very difficult to walk Mm -hmm. up those things it's like you take a step and you go six steps back yeah it feels like we're always going backwards to quote tame to quote some tame impala (laughs) (laughs) but no it is really hard i'm sorry it it is it is very hard to walk up those sand dunes we i just i i I kind of equated to like having to walk upstairs but going like at least two or three at a time so you're putting in a lot of effort to but at the same time, you're not going as far as that. So, right. It's hard. And then we got to the top and we were in the middle of a sand storm. Girl. Yes. Now, listen, listen, listen. I nope. do not endorse the Taliban. Mm-hmm. Keep going. <laughs> but I do understand their uniforms oh man that sand was pelting us jeremy well that only got just a little bit better (laughs) but but yes i understand their uniforms and it was in it in it uh it it was whipping us it was really every every little piece of sand that would hit your body it just felt like a little sting you know it was like whippets it was whippets so if you're going up there um you know, dress appropriately. I think you'd survive if you ran into the into the sand that we ran into, regardless. But just know that maybe you want to be wearing some longer stuff. Go maybe when it's not too hot out, so it's bearable to do that. I'm not. I can't. Yeah, I can't tell you what to do. But I don't know. I have this amazing video of me dumping out my boot after we got down <laughs> from. I think we should post it probably at Road Boys Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. By all the way, all three, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all three. 
Um, but yes, they definitely will change everything that you're wearing into a dirty old rag. That's true. So, I mean, that you got you got you got to come prepared for that. And also, just know that when you walk down, it's going to be really fun because you get to sink into the sand and you get to glide down almost with your feet. <laughs> It's so fun. It's like it it's like sledding without the sled or the snow. Right. So it's nothing like it, but it is a lot. Like it. <laughs> it's it is a lot like it. And um we have a video of that. Maybe we'll post it on social as well. Maybe you just got to tune in. Who knows yeah. what we're going to do? Who knows what uh, we're, we're very do. unpredictable people. Exactly. So that was the great sand dunes. We had a fantastic time there. Um, and later that day, we headed into the town of Alamosa, which is technically the great sand dunes' uh, gateway park, although it is like 30 miles away. As I mentioned, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, and we spent the night there, and it was, I don't know, it was a, it was a little bit of an eerie place. It was uh, it was quaint, but kind of eerie. Not too much. Yeah. No, it definitely was. Um I really love the name Alamosa. Uh, Alamosa. Jeremy, is it okay? Can I do a promotion for a town? Oh, I mean, of course. There's a, there's tours and boards for everywhere. I, I like. I don't know what what it is like. Can you promote towns over items? I just I don't know. But I'm just gonna go for it. Ready? We'll do it. Do it anyway. <clears throat> Alamosa, go on, get you some. That works every time. And you need to keep it up. <laughs> I think I've been doing it in every episode. I think that you're six for six. You're at a hundred percent right now, baby. Thank you so much. It mm-hmm. means a lot. Hey, well, uh, it was you know it was it was it was it was a pretty good time. We we had some food there. We of course tented, um, and just you know interestingly enough, when I was doing my research. Uh, I found like way too much history information about Alamosa. I don't know. No, wait, found... Alamosa, you got to remind me. What did we do there? Did, did we? What? Did we? What did we eat there? That's how I oh, remember these stops. By the way, is by I, food. We were really hungry after the Great Sand Dunes, and we found a burrito place. We walked in, got burritos, and then we ate the burritos in the car. Oh um, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, I have a really cute photo of us where where it's, we're clinking the. Uh, the classic old school Coke bottles. They're the Mexican Coke bottles is the proper <gasps> noun. We're, we're, sorry. <laughs> That's racist. Uh, but we were clinking them and it was like very retro and those burritos were fantastic. Yes. Um, very. It's very good. It was right on the outskirts of town. I can't. I, can't, I don't remember the name. I got like a chili Rileno burrito. So good. It was very much needed. Uh, and we went to Sonic afterwards too. That took, <laughs> that took forever. Well, you know, it, I, I I always feel like it's important when we go to all these places to try local cuisine like Sonic. Like Sonic, and we waited a good 30 minutes uh, for a couple of ice cream things and, like, pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> um so that was the that was the highlight of of uh, of, of Alamosa. Do you want to hear about its history just a little bit from what I could find from all the information? Like a, Yeah, like a, give give me some Alamosa realness. Sure. So as I mentioned, as you remember, it took us about 30 to 40 minutes to get there. So really, a lot of this history is associated with the region we were just talking about, which was the San Luis Valley region. So all of it, even though it was far away, Great Sand Dunes very much encompassed in Alamosa history. Now, 
We start here with uh, the year 1858. So that is post-white person arrival to the area. Um, Oh, mm -hmm. post-WPA. Post-WPA, yes. White person Um, arrival. We could just keep that. If we could just trademark that, I think we could just continue to use that for every stop we visited. I'm pretty (laughs) sure it's already some type of organization. (laughs) Yes. So... Oh, you know what it was? It was one of oh, I, I'm God of such a history nerd. Was it's it one, one of the of New FD- Deal? Was it one yes. of the New Deal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of FDR's New Deal initiatives. And who says we didn't know anything about U.S. history? We know a lot, so yeah, you can't blame bitch. us for our for having for having a little slip up with the presidential history earlier. We on it. We on one. Um, yeah, bitch. So the city itself, uh, Alamosa, was known as Garland City due to its prox- close proximity to Fort Garland. Um, and it later changed its name to Alamosa, which is Spanish, and I know this, it's Spanish for of Cottonwood, um, which is after the Cottonwood forests, which line the Rio Grande, which is in, which runs through the town. So it, it goes right through it. Cottonwood. Go Cottonwood. on. Get you some. Again, it follows. It, it works. It works so well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Alamosa has a current population of 9,997. So three babies need to be born there to make it an either, even 10,000. So I'm rooting for that. But it exists mainly because of its historical significance to the supply chain. You might know something about the supply chain, Jacob. I may work within supply and chains and management. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's part of the chain gang that supplies everything. Anyway... Um, in, so this is a very integral town to the supply chain because in the year 1878, the given year for actually for the town's founding, the Denver and Rio Grande Railroad established the town, planning for it to become an important railroad center in San Luis Valley. So there we go. It's a big well, railroad center. We were there, but there was like nothing there. I, I, was it really a railroad town? Well, if there was a railroad, it was probably getting grown over. Um, the remnants were there, but it was that type of vibe. It used to something that like it used to it used to it used to be a thing. Now it's a nothing. Now it's a nothing. But the town grew from literally nothing because of the efforts of European immigrants who moved to the area in the years after its founding. And a lot of those European immigrants be- would become the community leaders. Um, so here's an example. Of course, if it weren't for the likes of prominent butcher and eventual banker and mayor of Alamosa, Herman Imperius, where would Alamosa be today, Jacob? Ah, good old Herman, yes. That's a name drop. I was expecting you to get that one. I anyway, wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and Alamosa, and this is just my assessment, also became known to be the Cambridge of higher learning in Alamosa County, of course. Um, and that is thanks to a Mr. William Herbert Adams, better known throughout the area as Billy Adams. Oh, of course, Billy Adams, another person I have never heard of. Well, you know, you're a history major, you have a degree in history, and if you're caught up on Colorado history, you'd have probably known that this one-time Wisconsinite rancher turned Coloradan businessman not only served as mayor of Alamosa, he served as the governor of the state of Colorado from 1927 to 1933. So there we go. Girl, you you acted like my specialty in school was from 1927 to 1933. Oh. 
oh wait a minute it, it actually kind of was it was that great depression and stop FDR. exposing yourself jacob jesus Shit. christ <laughs> damn it i lost that one well rare loss it's okay because it's Colorado history, um, and um, I don't expect you to know it. Um, you know, I don't. You, know, you don't have to know everything, although you should. Um, and <laughs> in 1921, while serving as a state senator, Adams, Billy Adams, was given approval to of a school that would allow him to form a little university called Adams State Normal School in Alamosa, and the rest is history. And we saw. Oh, that we saw that one. We love the name. That's why I bring it up. <laughs> the normal school. If you want to be normal. Mm-hmm. Can we promote them? If you're, yeah, of course. Go ahead. If we, oh, wait, damn it. I was thinking of what you said. All right, here we go. Here's the real mm-hmm. deal. Go ahead. The go real ahead. deal. Um, if you are unique, if you are talented, and if you are special, the normal school is not for you. Adam State University Normal School. Be normal. Or I think a good a good a good uh, catchphrase for it could be like revert to the mean, revert to average, or something like that. <laughs> revert to the mean. Revert to the mean. Adam State Normal School. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I could go on and on, believe it or not, about the history of Alamosa because I literally oh God, found, don't. I literally found like what was, I think someone's thesis about the history of the town online for its centennial. Um, and if I printed it out, it probably would have been pages and pages. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I won't go any further, but today Alamosa still exists. Great. I'm glad it does because it gave us the chance to see the great sand dunes and not camp like a hippie. Although it was very hard to set up camp. Can't Oh my god. Is that the place with like the wind tunnel realness? Well, I don't know if it was a wind tunnel, it was like a wind valley because we were hard pressed to put up that tent uh and get on a site that would have allowed us to put up the tent. We had a park sledge in front of our in front of everything we were trying to do to block a little bit of that wind. It was so hard, fam. Girl, I felt like I was in fucking... uh, What was I in that has a lot of wind? Well, we already mentioned Wizard of Oz. Damn it, that's what I I was thinking of, but I couldn't think of another one. What else has wind? Um, Girl, I felt like one of those reporters out in one of them damn hurricanes fucking trying to stand there with their windbreaker as I'm literally trying to set up this stupid-ass tent. Girl, I was flying a kite like I was six years old. What the hell was that (laughs) shit? Well, it was, again, God. It was God punishing us. Oh, my God. So political today. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, it was God. I can't believe that you can't go to just God whenever whenever these things happen to us. It was God. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, I think... I think it's time because I was looking. I'm very, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. I think it's time to move on to the dark history of the week. How about that? Dark history of the week. I'm excited. What do you got for us this week? Well, 
I had my choice, let me tell you, and had to do some soul searching um, because I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to deliver what you want to hear. I'm delivering what our road persons, road per see, first time use. Ah, I love that. What our road persons want to hear. So when doing my research, of course, I was presented an obvious option, um, but I decided to go another way and dig deeper. So you probably wonder, like, what am I talking about when I mention that? I don't know. You make no sense to me at all. Well, imagine this. We're out in the middle of nowhere. The sky's big, big sky, big sky country. I know that's Montana, but again, part of big sky country. Not there yet. But technically it was because you can see a lot and the star coverage is crazy. So could you imagine, would it be any surprise to you at all if the people in the San Luis Valley region and Alamosa, Great Sand Dunes, what have you, see UFOs? I mean, it's not a surprising thing. It's just not. Oh, yeah, they definitely had UFOs out there. And I did find stuff about how people have seen UFOs out there. Um, I actually did find maybe a little interesting story, although I'm not going to cover it really, about a horse's death that people think (gasps) was caused by UFOs. But Oh, no. I know. It's really sad. And for that reason and for the fact that we will eventually get into UFOs, I decided not to cover it and go a different direction. Well, thank God you covered it so much that we could now go in a different direction. We have to go in a different direction. Uh, a little bit more about the horse. Just kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> a little bit more about the horse. Um, God damn. But sometimes I think that the juicier story, Jacob, comes from the dastardly deeds of us human beings. The dastardly deeds of us human beings. That's my Moira Rose. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. I. That's another. If you could keep pulling out the Moira Rose, I love. I love Moira and Icon. Alexis, wait. Can you read that sentence in a Moira Rose accent? I want to hear you try. Okay. <clears throat> Sometimes the juicier story comes from the dastardly <laughs> deeds of hum of us human beings. <laughs> 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 the dastardly deeds of us human beings. It sounds like a book or a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Jeremy, get into it. That's just what We've I We've really say. gotten into um, Schitt's Creek recently. I know. <laughs> Fantastic show. I wouldn't have so said it good. a few seasons ago, but but now, my God, they're at the top of their game. You got to stick with it. It's, a lo- it's, it's, it's the long-term game. Yeah, it's the long game. So... I'm going to be covering something that was dastardly. Uh, it was a deed, and it was committed by a human being. So no aliens. By a human being, John, a human, really. A human being. So let me set the scene for you. We are going to start in the year 1842 in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. So not Colorado, just yet. Where, an, where a young little baby... Because babies are young. Alfred a Griner, baby. A baby. A baby. Alfred Griner Packer is born. Um, and his name is Alfred, not Alfred. So when I say that, I didn't make a typo. It's Alfred. Uh-huh. It's just because, like, he's different that way. He's a little different. So Alfred, though, although he's in Pennsylvania, he wouldn't stay for too long because he was known to have better relationship with his parents, a better relationship with his parents. So he moves out to Minnesota in his late teens where he just becomes a shoemaker. But I promise you he's going to get to Southern, Col- Southern Colorado pretty, you know, pretty soon. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. why wasn't he in a season of Fargo? 
because they haven't had the foresight to actually do something <laughs> to actually do something that pertains to Minnesota and they've gone in a different direction. <laughs> you know, I love that this podcast is also like kind of like a, a subgenre of hate on Fargo season four. We hate Fargo season four. Um, and episode six, that'll be the episode title. (laughs) (laughs) It honestly could be because the first three seasons are so damn good that it's such an injustice how bad this one is. It's pretty bad. It's just a shame. But, um, honestly, this, the, what unfolded could be part of a season of Fargo, except, uh, they haven't decided to, uh, cover an actual story of Fargo in season four. So he's in Minnesota. <laughs> he's in, he's in Minnesota. Um, uh, and then of course we're getting close to the civil war, 1860s. So he served Alf- Alfred served in the union army, but he was ultimately honorably discharged due to his struggles with epilepsy. Actually, the man was epileptic. Oh, mm-hmm. I feel bad for him. Yeah. You should feel bad for him. Cause, uh, uh, here's what happens next. Um, so after being discharged, he traveled west and worked a numerous a, nu- a numerous uh, bunch of odd jobs. So um, a hunter, he was a ranch hand, he was a field worker, but he could like never really hold on to something for a while because his epilepsy was just that bad. So like he kept he got fired. You're making me feel worse for him. Yes, he's it's he's down in his luck. And I can't really say it's going to get too much better. Um, Jeremy, are you going to make a seizure joke? Um, you know me too well. I was not going to defend myself there. No, I'm just kidding. That's awful. Uh, but you know, <laughs> it's quite awful. And if someone you know has experienced seizures, I'm very sorry. Yes. Um, so by the time we get to him in the 1870s. Packers just out living in Utah because he was trying to be a miner, like an actual, like not a minor, but a miner in the mines uh, in Colorado. And he couldn't really do it. His again, his epilepsy uh, was preventing people from really, you know, wanting him to keep working there. He was fired. This is just depressing. His life is so sad. Right. And it's going to get worse. As I mentioned, this (laughs) keeps getting worse. So. By all accounts up to this point, uh, most people who've encountered Alfred generally just really dislike him as a person. They say he's untrustworthy and he's most likely a pathological liar. So that's a little bit of a character. Uh, intro- yeah. Insight. You know, if he's experienced rejection from, first of all, like literally from his parents rejecting him onwards, I could see how someone could develop some uh, personality issues. Yes, some personality issues indeed. Uh, and again, it's going to get worse. So, um, Yay. in the year 1873, upon hearing news of a massive gold deposit uh, discovery in Breckenridge, Colorado, which is 20 miles, sorry, 20 miles, 20 miners from Provo, Utah, <laughs> decided to make their way east to the San Juan Mountains, which is right by, right by where we were in Colorado, so in search of gold, fame, and fortune. Um, so we actually drove through Provo, but that's just a, that's further on in the trip, but just to give you some Oh, reference. okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, now, I mentioned that there are 20 miners. Now, Packer was not one of them. Uh, and it was sort of sketchy as how as to how he would join end up joining this party. So eventually, this expeditionary party made it 25 miles into their trek eastward, uh, and 
all of a sudden Packer's like chilling on the side of the road and he sees these guys and he's just like, what's up guys? Where are you headed? And they're like, okay, well we're going out and trying to find gold. And he was like, great, I'm going to join you. Oh, he invited himself to the party because no one liked him. Yeah. Um, and I think it probably will prove to be ending. Uh, it'll, it'll prove to be a mistake on the behalf of these other guys to have let him in because a, uh, Packer had nothing to offer in regard to supplies. He had no money on him. Um, he had no supplies, and he basically lied his way into the group by saying that oh that he was a guy that he knew the area well that he was a prospector, someone that that could just get him through the terrain, guide them. And guess what? None of this none of this was true. In the slightest. No. Yeah, of course. well, that pathological liar realness he had going on, it makes sense. Makes sense, exactly. Party member Preston Nutter hmm, would go on. <laughs> I'm going to be laughing about that all day. Would go on. He would, So, yes, Pres- Mr. Nutter would go on to label Packer a whining fraud. Uh, oh, he, he was a piss poor guide. He didn't he he treated his party members really badly and uh, just not a good person to hang out around. He's a whining fraud. Oh, doesn't mm-hmm. sound like a lot of fun. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun at all. So now we're going to get to the part where things get a little bit kooky. So things are going to get kooky. a little kooky. Yes, sir. Um, so, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so things do get a little bit kooky when these guys, they've been walking and walking for like three months until they stagger into the camp of Ute Indian chief Ure. Uh, Ure. Ure. He was chief Ure. He sounds really smart already. He's he, he is kind of the man. Um, he was kind enough to give him, give the the weary travelers food and shelter for weeks during an unusually harsh winter of eighteen seventy three to seventy four. Um, so he's just extending out his hand. He's helping them. He's being a great guy. Okay. Well. Well. You know. Who could who'd have thunk that the the Native Americans are are a lovely welcoming people. Um, literally, mostly uh, a lot of people, but we, but we, we, we glide right over that in our history. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll just glide right over that right now. Just yeah, kidding. Okay. He's a great guy. Chief Uru is a great guy. Um, and he urged the men to stay in camp and wait out the harsh weather. Um, just, you know, because he knew the area. He's a wise, he's a wise person. He didn't want them to go out there and die. But guess what? Uh, let me guess. Wait, let me guess. Oh, yes. They they decided not to listen to him and went out during the winter. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You got it. Uh, so, yes, a group of six men, one of them, of course, including Packer, thought it would be wise to continue on their journey. Uh, and in doing so, neglected Chief Ure's advice by hiking uh, directly through and up through the mountains. Okay, so here's what happened here. Chief Ure came in, and he was like, y'all bitches ain't gonna be making it through that winter, especially if you go hiking through them damn mountains. So mm-hmm. then they were like, oh, okay, that's great advice. I'm gonna just gonna go hike in the winter through the mountains. Yes, because they thought better than him, and uh, it would be a fatal error. Um, so, here, so here's what happens. Um, a blizzard would engulf Packer, 
and his fellow companions not long not long after they left camp. So in, on April 16th, 1874, so some time has now elapsed, Alfred straggled into the Los Pinos, the Los Pinos. <gasps> Wait a minute. <laughs> the Los Pinos, what? Indian agency. So like a, like a campground um, that they were trying to get to. By what does him, Los mean? Th- the. The Penis Indian place. Yes, Pinos, uh, as I am fluent in Spanish, uh, is... Oh, is, really? Are you? Is, yes, P- Los Pinos. Um, well, Pinos, of course, translates to none, none other than penis. So, right, um, right, right. The Penis is Indian Agency. <laughs> Jeremy, give me, one, give me one sentence in Spanish. Eh, um, no. <laughs> Maybe I should stop. <laughs> uh, Escuela burrito. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I can't speak Spanish for my life. Uh, and props to anyone who can. Anyway, but you know who can? Antonio Banderas. Mm, you give me goosebumps again. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's my many vocal talents. Yes, you're talented. Has anyone ever told you you're talented? Uh, you're the first. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. We're making dreams come true every day. Anyway. We're making dreams come true. And I won't say the rest. <laughs> yep. You can't, you can't expect people to, you can't copyright something like that and expect people to, you know, follow by that, by that rule. What if I said it separately? Billy on the street? I think we're in the clear because there is space in the middle there. Let's push it. <laughs> <laughs> So let me just backtrack a little bit. Packer, he straggles into the Los Pinos Indian Agency, Los Pinos, (laughs) probably better pronunciation, uh, by himself, holding onto nothing more than a rifle and a skinning knife, which, of course, belonged to a couple of the party members he accompanied, uh, who accompanied him into the mountains. So he's carrying his his members' items. He has it. Okay. So... Probably nothing too good came of came of those guys. Uh, so from the moment he emerged from the mountains, Alfred could not get his story straight, fam. He really wasn't rehearsing himself well enough. Girl, you're going to tell me he murdered six people and then didn't have a good story when he got down from the fucking mountains? He must have had so much time to contemplate that. Yes, um... So here's what he first said. So first he told those who saw him at the Los Pinos Indian Penis Indian Agency <laughs> that when the storm hit, his companions left him at camp in search of food and they never returned. So nothing bad. He didn't do anything bad. He he just took their items and left because he needed to survive. So okay. Uh-huh. A month or so later, a bunch of members of the original party who stayed at camp, per Chief Ure's suggestion, uh, who actually survived because they took Chief Ure's suggestion and not ventured in uh, to you know the mountains and just were dumb. They if saw only Packer. we all listened to Chief Ure. I know. The world would be a better place. Um, but he, they, they, they were in the town of Swatch, Colorado. And they saw Alfred just live in large. A lot of these these previous members, the people that he knew. Um, apparently, he had a lot of spending money on him at hand, and he was holding on to a lot of his late party members' possessions. So, mm, oh, don't want to flaunt that, and you also don't really want to flaunt money after uh, I don't know five of your friends died. So, it's not looking too good. It's not looking no. too good. No, it's not. Um, 
So, after confronting Packer, the surviving party members got the second version of the story out of it, out of out of out of uh, out of him. So, Alfred said four men died naturally from extreme winter conditions, which left himself and one other man, Shannon Bell, to eat their corpses for survival. No way. Mm-hmm. So, it, so you know, I don't know. I didn't say this before I got into the story, but this is the case. Finally, this is like the this is like the title sequence. This is the case of the Colorado cannibal. <gasps> he ate people. Wait a minute, I could have been making Hannibal Lecter jokes this whole time. Well, I'm sorry, but it's like watching a show like Fargo, uh, maybe this season, where it takes 20 minutes to introduce the title sequence, and then that's when you know, oh, I'm watching Fargo. I didn't know. <laughs> Damn. Okay, but wait. So let me make one at least. <laughs> Do you think he heard the screaming of the miners, Gladys? Mm-hmm. Well, he probably did at some point, but then he forgot all about it when he started eating them. So. You know what I'm interested in is how he fucking killed six people. Oh, five. You know, six five including people. him. Yeah, five. But still, but still, you're you can't do that in COD. I mean, you can't. You're playing Call of Duty. You can't even do that in COD with guns. So how could he do that with his hands? In the 18-whatevers, nonetheless. Right. Um, so, but it, it, the story is going to keep evolving, his story. So, so apparently, according to him, you have two people, you have one person that survived, uh, and they died from three, sorry, four people died naturally from extreme winter conditions. It left him and Shannon Bell to eat the corpses for survival. I mentioned that. So when Bell... When Shannon Bell, the surviving member, apparently went insane, Packer killed him in self-defense, and then he later ate his corpse. So, Oh, that is the classic blame-the-dead-guy-realness story. Right. So, we could, you know, if this ended up being the end of the story, we could excuse Packer of his killing and his cannibalism. I mean, this all happened under stream, extreme conditions. It's winter. It's a blizzard. But, you know, of course, this isn't the end of the story. Oh, great. I'm glad there's more. Yes. So when Packer made this first confession, he was taken to prison. But not long after his imprisonment, Packer did all what uh, did what all, you know, innocent men do when they've been imprisoned. And he escaped. He'd be on the run for the next nine years. So a good look on his end. Oh, my God. He escaped prison? Yeah, he escaped. Well, I guess it was like. What what year was it? Eighteen seven. It's like eighteen like seventy five right now. Yeah. All right. So then prison was really just a fancy word for a fucking half built room in a basement. Yeah, hut, <laughs> a hut, <laughs> a card, a cord, a cardboard box. He left it. Um, yeah. So on the day of his escape, uh, actually that same day, searchers finally found Packer's companions, uh, and they made a startling discovery. All five men lay dead on the campsite, and they weren't spaced out along the trail, as uh, Alfred Packer had once mentioned. They were there was uh, just evidence of foul play all along. <laughs> so, oh my goodness! Wait, how how on earth did he kill five people? Um, I'm not sure, and who knows? Actually, uh, he, he's going to give one more confession. He's going to get found and get, give one more confession. I'll tell okay. you what that is. Uh, but we still don't know. Um, so he was finally located after he escaped prison in 1883. 
uh, and then he changed the story once more. Now Alfred claimed that he left camp in search of food and then came back to see Shannon Bell had gone absolutely mad and that he had killed four of Packer's companions uh, and was also in the process of boiling one of these guys' flesh for a meal. Uh, so when he was doing that, he looks up, he sees Alfred, and then he charges him with a hatchet. And Pack and Alfred basically reacts very quickly and he shoots him twice. And now Alfred's all alone with five dead bodies. He's basically like, I can, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't survive if I don't eat these guys. It's just, it's come to that. And, uh, that's what he did. He ate them and then he survived. But, oh my God, what a mess. Yeah. So it, it's changed. The story has become more violent and more violent. Uh, and I don't know. And I'm not buying it. I just feel like he's playing some mental gymnastics with those confessions. I mean, he could just, he couldn't confess that he enjoyed eating people. So he just, spoiled a bunch of bullshit that was ended up P- ended up being PR to say it was self-defense whatever I don't know why do I feel bad for a cannibal um well from the research I found he is Colorado's favorite cannibal so you wouldn't be alone in f- in a uh, fandom okay mm-hmm. all right well I'm glad there's a list of those things yeah he was a top favorite cannibal and there was a list <laughs> of 50 <laughs> oh god uh-huh um so who knows exactly what happened? He wasn't going to confess that he did kill five people and ate them outright. So he gave that version of the story. So now uh, we have this guy who's probably killed five people and certainly just like basically eat them. Uh, but would you like to know what the Colorado criminal justice system did in in, in uh, regard for Mr. Alfred Packer? They killed him? Well, you're very close, but you're not correct. First... A jury found Mr. Packer guilty of murder, and Judge Melville B. Jerry sentenced him to be hanged by the neck, and this is a quote, until you are dead, dead, dead. So you'd imagine that he would, in fact, be dead, dead, dead. Well, I'd imagine he would not only be dead, but he'd be dead two more times after that. He'd be dead times three. Um, Yeah. But that didn't end up happening, of course. This is the 1800s we're talking about. So the Colorado Supreme Court reversed Packer's verdict, um, and... That ended up being uh, that ended up being a development which changed Packer's uh, sentence to just not be the death sentence, but be a forty-year sentence in a state penitentiary, and he was be- after being found with manslaughter. So he's found guilty of manslaughter, but not going to die. Oh, I mm-hmm. love the legal system and how well it works. It works. It works almost uh, too well because in seventeen, sorry, seventeen years later, so in nineteen oh one, not the seventeen hundreds. I don't know what I'm talking about. Nineteen oh one. The Denver Post published a series of articles which questioned uh, Alfred's guilt, and later that year, Colorado Governor Charles S. Thomas granted Packer's request for parole. So they let him out. Oh, they let him out. They let him out. Oh, wait, and I guess how this story ends. And he's still alive and well today. He would be if it weren't for him dying. (laughs) Well, I guess that kind of gets in the way. But theoretically, if this happened in the 1980s, he'd be alive. He'd be out of prison and just vibing. So that's kind of what he did for the rest of his life. He was living out in Littleton, Colorado, outside of Denver, and where he was noted, actually, by his neighbors of being a model citizen. He was very well-liked, that man. Oh, Um, how lovely. Yes. Uh, He, I guess prison changed him. Cannibalism changed him. He's a good guy. Uh, It's all about reform. 
Exactly. So in 1907, Packer was given, he was given a military funeral. <laughs> uh, so he's somewhere in a military, uh, probably a military uh, cemetery somewhere. Uh, hey, people who have done worse have also gotten military funerals, so... Yep. Um, and then the last piece of the story, uh, we drove through Boulder, but we didn't go here. If you drive... If you... Sorry. If you pull up to the University of Colorado Boulder and go to the Student Union, you're going to find... You guessed it. Maybe not. An Alfred Packer Restaurant and Grill. They have the meats. And that's it. <laughs> oh, my God. They have a restaurant named after him? Yes, because they just slabbing the meats on the grill and they <laughs> they cooking it up, They're cooking it up Packer style. They only serve human. They only serve and they're only to serve man to serve. Oh, man. make it a little Twilight Zone reference. Like the Twilight Zone reference. This is a cookbook, <laughs> bro. That is the only episode of that show that has like stuck with me in my mind always. I also like the one where the guy survives the nuclear blast and he has all the time in the world to read books, but then his glasses break and he... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some schadenfreude. Is that, did I say that correctly? Some schadenfreude? Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Girl, um, <laughs> we've spoken so many different languages today. We are, I think we're already trilingual um, by techni- by, uh, based off of technicality. We know a bunch of languages. We do. It's true. But that was really good. That was really interesting. And I kind of love that I sympathized with the cannibal. Well, as I mentioned, we're talking about Colorado's favorite cannibal. He got the moniker Colorado, the Colorado cannibal. So they reserved it for him. Well, there you go. That's I mean, that's just that's the way to go. I mean, what are we doing here? If you're going to be a cannibal, you ought to get state recognition and get that yeah. name, get that brand name going. You got to build your brand. Got to build his, he built his brand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a good dark history, but I think that brings us now to our fan question of the week. Fan question of the week. What do we have this week? question. Well, this one came to us from Chris Pratt's homophobic church. Cool. Got some outreach going on, some, some church outreach. Yeah, Chris Pratt's homophobic church writes, Jacob and Jeremy, can you please explain the astrophysics of gravity? Mm-hmm. Something that I've had to explain to a bunch of people before. Um, right. Not surprised. It's come up. With, with your career as a geologist. As in my career as a geologist, astrophysicist, so... Oh, we're just adding on titles now, Dr. Professor Patrick. Yes, uh, so I'm actually Dr. Dr. Jeremy Shapiro. <laughs> All right. Mm um i don't know do you have well i'll let you go first and then i'll give you the definitive answer okay well (laughs) that seems like a little cop-out but what i thought about was neil degrasse tyson and how he talks about orbits and stuff Mm -hmm. and how it's just things are Mm -hmm. continuously falling towards um a spherical object now objects i know are spherical spherical because because gravity at the center of it, right, pulls from all directions. And so when it pulls from all directions, it makes what it's pulling a circle, which is how planets look circular and shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I kind of lost my own train of thought there, so I'm completely lost on anything having to do with science and gravity. Well, I'll finish it for you. Um, And that force you were talking about was God. Um, It's God, 
And I think for the church, that's probably what they wanted to hear. So. (laughs) (laughs) Man. (laughs) Today's been very controversial. We talked about the Taliban. We talked about God. We talked about the Torah being wrong. We talked about a lot of different things. And to cap off the day, we do have that third debate to watch. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. That's right. We're recording this the day of the third presidential debate. So pray for the pray for the I don't know. I don't even know what to pray for. But if you're praying, pray to God. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Anyway. That, yeah. So uh, but all in all, just heading, going back to where we were. Fantastic. Uh, beautiful. Stop. That was great sand dunes. Um, yes. Really oh, my God. You got to um, visit. It is maybe one of the only places in the U.S. to see something like that. The dunes and you have the mountains behind it and marshy area. Three landscapes in one. That's a bang for your buck. Oh. And we did an amazing drive. We drove from Denver to um Alamosa or wherever the hell the Great Sand Dunes is. And that drive we took, we didn't go straight down through Colorado Springs like the GPS said. We took an alternative route that took us through kind of exactly through the center of the mountains and everything right by Black Canyon of the Gunnison, which we we somehow missed. We had no clue. Um, And God, that drive was so gorgeous. The like we saw these beautiful plains with mountains in the back. I was feeling mm. my Jake Gyllenhaal broke back mountain fantasy. I expected to be hit in the head with a fucking axe. It was amazing. It was a- absolutely spectacular. And if you're looking to do that drive, I think it takes you the delineating points uh, is that it takes you through Aspen. We didn't see Aspen, but that's part of the route. So look for the route that takes you through Aspen and I think that will be it. It was just amazing, but what a great stop, and next week, I know we're going to be heading down south, dare I say. I I gave them clues. I gave everyone a clue. Uh, It's associated with, but perhaps not, uh, with Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's Well, I'll give you a good hint. I'll give you a good hint. It starts with an S and ends with an Anna Fe. Right. Um... So wherever that is, uh, you'll be along with us for the ride. I hope that you just keep keep on with uh with eating up the content for the Road Boys content. Eat, keep up eat, keep up eating up the road. Man, that was a struggle. But make sure you keep listening to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today for episode six. And we'll see you next Sunday. Oh my God, our last episode before election day, girl. Um, yeah, my God, it's a get another get out the vote special. <laughs> Next week. But we will see you next Sunday right here on Road Boys. Goodbye. Mm Road Boys, starring Jacob Velotti and Jeremy Shapiro as themselves. Produced by Jacob Velotti and Jeremy Shapiro. Directed by Jacob Velotti and Jeremy Shapiro. And created by Jacob Velotti and Jeremy Shapiro. Special thanks to Vlad Glashenko for recording the intro and outro music royalty-free. And Tina Perkins, that's me, for recording promotional content. To learn more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Road Boys Podcast. <laughs>